Are the Celtics in trouble in the bubble? Honestly, Sam, at this point, they might be in double trouble. In double trouble, you say. Double trouble. This is On The Rise Podcast, Season 2. Listen now on all major platforms as well as midtownradio.ca weekends at 10 a.m. Welcome your host, Sam Donzik and Evan Brown. Welcome to episode 13 of the On The Rise Podcast. It's hot out of the oven. The Celtics fight in the locker room after a game two loss to the Heat. Can they use it to, can they use the fight or the... I guess the uh, verbal fight, not physical. I yeah, there was, was, there was, was no yeah, physical. Yeah, let me. It was, it was no physical. It was a verbal fight, verbal altercation between players. I believe it was like Jalen Brown. Jay, I think I know mostly Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum was included in, not included, but there was uh, some other rumors I was hearing as well, which we'll talk about. But can they use it as a motivation to turn the series around? Honestly, I think that's what they were trying to do in the first place. I mean, uh, a lot of media would like see this as okay. Like, there's two different ways to take this, right? And there's two different ways you could take the story if you're a media person. One is you could say, okay, now chemistry's broken. Clearly, this has been frustration boiling over, and it like seems to be some sort of discommunication. I mean, Marcus Smart is a very emotional player, and yeah, very verbal guy. Very verbal guy, and you can understand why he might be upset after going down to nothing when the Celtics haven't really been playing great basketball. Jalen Brown, basically the MVP of the team right now, between him and Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker, mm-hmm. even in there too. Like those are the top. You, those are your top four key guys, and to have them going at it is just um like. It's such a frustrating point right now, and to have them going at it verbally is like it could either, like you said, fire up a team, and it could use it like they use it as passion, as fire to yeah, bring light back the, fi- the light the fire underneath them, underneath yeah, them to yeah. to like to bring life back into it. And I think yeah, like me, the media takes it the wrong way. They just like there's two like the, there's the media that like there's two sides of the media. There's the media like okay, there's clear like you said as well. There's the chemistry broken, like they're down to nothing. But in same point, like when I'm looking, I was like, I would understand why they would be visibly angry like they're down to nothing in the conference finals with a tr- with a chance at a trip to the nba finals and clearly something's not going well um mark smart being visibly upset um but i think honestly what needs to happen is yeah they can use it as motivation to turn around but what's interesting a lot of people were saying that it was seen in the comments and stuff like that i think it was like some raptors fans and stuff or like or not just saying raptors fans but people were saying well the raptors were down to nothing we didn't hear anything about that well that's the ra- it's a different mentality for the raptors yeah. it was the second round you know you're down to nothing they, had, they they were able to take it well like and then again it's just it's just different right it's a different team it's a different organization, so it is interesting how the media would like to play this. But I honestly think it's—I can understand why they're visibly as why they're upset, why they're verbally upset. Now, reportedly as well, what had happened is Brad Stevens had apparently it was a late night. Oh, this it was like here. one a.m. It was like one a.m. when they had this meeting. It was like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Kem- I don't know if Kemba was there. Yeah, I think Kemba was, was there. Kemba was, the was, the was there as well. Guys. It was yeah. the four main guys, and they were basically talking about how um, like how to resolve this and stuff like that. They're resolving airing out their dirty laundry per se, or they're they're not their dirty laundry. But Right there, they're, it's a they're weird, weird, weird metaphor there, but yeah, we'll give not, it to yeah, you. No, okay. <laughs> they're they're visibly they're like they're uh, why they're upset and they stuff like that. They're trying to settle their differences. Yeah, they're trying to settle their differences. That's to what say. I'm trying to say. That's, <laughs> I'm struggling for words here, but and they also then uh, decided to also prep for Game Three and how they can come out stronger because I think what's what's happened is the. The Celtics obviously, or the Heat got some rest. They they had some rest against the Celtics, and the Celtics were maybe like a little bit tired the first two games. You know, like coming off a long seven game series against the Raptors, where they really were, you know, battling it out hard. 
And I think the big thing is that just the Celtics weren't ready for those first two games against the Heat. The Heat are showing that they're the better team. Now, they, they, like, the Celtics have been up in both games, I believe. They, yeah. they had lead. Yeah. Like, I was watching the one game. It was like, okay, it was like 60 to 45. Close to half. I was like, okay, you know, we could have a good series, you know, Boston. But then the same thing happened. I was like, and I turned off the game because I, I ended up watching some football and stuff like that. It was like the Cleveland and uh, Cincinnati game. And it come back to it and stuff like that. Oh, they ended up winning 106 101. So that was interesting. It's like, again, Celtics blow another multi point lead. And maybe that's why there was that, there was that uh, altercation because they've blown now twice to. Um, double-digit leads or, like, multi-point yeah. leads. I was going to say, there are many reasons for the, like, this has been something that's been boiling, I think, with the Celtics team for a while. They were, fr- like, the 76ers series was a write-off. They got through that, no problem. Sixers were injured. Everything was fine there. But you can really sense the frustration was starting to boil after you see, you see them go up 2 nothing against the Raptors and then have it go all the way to Game 7. They clearly were frustrated with themselves, with the refs. They were frustrated. Like, they were not playing well, and then they were frustrated at, okay, now we just gave up the game winner to OG in Game 3 there to give them back into the series. The frustration of grinded out the seven-game series, finally getting there, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we really almost didn't deserve this, but the Raptors didn't really deserve it either, so we move on. And then we get to... Uh, the Heat series where they already have a chip on their shoulder. They're going into it mad because of the last series, and they're mad because they didn't really get a lot of rest as well going into the series compared to the Heat. And then to go out and go down two games to nothing, it could be a matter of refs in that matter too, and then blowing the 14-point lead, like you said, and they blew lead in game, first game too. Like, there was a lot of different things that were leading up to this mm-hmm. uh, blow-up by the Celtics, in my opinion, and really frustration has just finally set in, and, and I think they could either take it two ways, man. They could either use it to turn the series around, use it as fire, uh, a spark for the flame, and really push push the rest of the series. I saw something that was... Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't the Celtics series, it was for the Lakers series, but I saw, um, I saw a lot of comments like, okay, they can either turn it around or this is going to be Miami in four. And yeah. I think, honestly, at this point, I mean, they the report uh, we saw before we recorded is Gordon, Gordon Hayward, Hayward yeah. has been upgraded to questionable for game three, which who knows what that means for the Celtics going forward. That could be the extra boost they need if he can play. If it sounds like game four is his more realistic timeline, that even could still be a good booster for them. Um, who knows what that'll do if they're down three. Nothing at that point, though, but either way, I think the Heat definitely have the Celtic o- Celtics on their heels right now. No matter how the Celtics take this loss, they need to have a good game three uh, if they want to stay in the series, because if you go down 3 nothing, then it is toast at that point, because it just adds to the frustration, it adds to the fire, and it just, it's it, you're going to burn out eventually, in my opinion. And honestly, at this point, I think the Celtics, honestly, my prediction going forward is the Celtics have a b- bounce back game three, they get the bounces going their way again. Maybe Hayward plays, may he, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, but Honestly, I'm changing my opinion to a Heat in five series now because of the way the Celtics have played. They haven't looked great. The frustration is finally setting in. I don't see them using this to really spark the flame they need, and I don't see Hayward making a lot of... I mean, he's going to make impact, but it's almost going to be too little too late at that point, in my opinion, especially if if they lose game three, down three, nothing. That's almost impossible to come back from. I honestly think Heat in five at this point. Yeah, honestly. no, I, w- I would agree with seven points. I think I'm going to... Keep my prediction the same. I still think the Heat are going to win in six. I don't think it's going to go... It's going to probably be like 2-1, 
3-1, 3-2, and then 4-2. Like, I think the Celtics are going to come back slowly, but the Heat are going to take them out in six because they're just going to be exhausted. They're going to be overtired because they're trying to fight back. Like, they're going to win game three. They're going to lose game four. They're going to be on the heels, but then they're going to make, like, it could be five or six, but I highly doubt that the Celtics are winning the series unless they can just, like, now, we did see as well with the Raptors, like, they turned around and they, they ended up losing Game 5, which was a crucial Game 5, which then they won Game 6. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I think these next two games, obviously, are well, then Game 3 is really the crucial game because if they go oh, down yeah. 3-0, oh, yeah. we saw when Miami went 3-0, went up 3 nothing against Milwaukee, they ended up, like, they won Milwaukee going Game 4, but then they finished them in Game 5. Yeah. So that's where I can see as well, possibly, if Miami... Or, heat, no, and I think the Heat as well will look at that series and say, okay... If they get up three nothing in the series, say they get up, say they win, say the Heat win Game Three, they're gonna take that last series against the Bucks as an example and say, okay, look, we know how much that extra rest helped us going into the next series. We know we had that stranglehold on that series, but we didn't close out in overtime, and we kind of took it easy because we knew had we had some time, we had a couple games to play with, we could have lost that game and not been upset. Mm -hmm. But I think they're gonna look at it and say. We can't give them any hope in this series, especially because it is the Eastern Conference Finals. It is serious time, and I don't think, I don't think Jimmy Butler is going to allow that to happen. Yeah. In my opinion, mm -hmm. seeing how he's played this series, seeing how the Heat have played in every series so far, I think the Heat are going to, if they can get up three nothing, if they can go into Game Four, uh, when they go into Game Four, I think they're going to be going out with much more passion than they did in the Bucks Game Four, and I think. I could see a more likely sweep of the Celtics than of the Bucks at that point because the Heat really thought of it as we have all the time in the world because we're up 3 nothing. But now they're going to learn from that and say, okay, look, we have to do this before they can get any sense of hope because the Bucks did try to make that comeback. They did push back in game four. They got the win they needed. And then obviously without Giannis, they were kind of done for at that yeah, point. E but in game five, yeah, it was really done but for. But the Heat learned, okay, we can't give like we can't give an inch un until we beat them and and i think the heat'll take that bring it into if they can win game 3 like i said i think they bring that into game 4 and it is much more likely now that they sweep than they did against the buck uh, than they had against the bucks in my opinion yeah and i think as well when you look at it like going into that game 4 if they're up 3 nothing eric spolster is going to play jimmy butler almost oh, yeah. 48 minutes oh, yeah. like it's oh, yeah. going to be to be similar to a situation where the Toronto Raptors were in a couple of years, 2016 Eastern Conference Finals, the series was tied two. two no, it was it was the, uh, the what is it? The Cavaliers were doing three two into Toronto, Game Six. LeBron James played all 48 minutes because that at the time Tyron Tyron Liu said, "Yo, LeBron James, you're my superstar. You're gonna play 48 minutes, and you're gonna send Toronto. Actually, they're yeah. at home, but we're exactly. gonna like you're gonna send them home." Quotes, and th and yeah. that's what's going to happen because the the Heat are going to realize it's we're not playing the Bucks we're playing the Celtics the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals for a reason and you can't give them an ounce of hope if you're up three nothing you got to win that game four and you got to just send them home back to Boston because that's where they're going yeah <laughs> they're yeah. going back to Boston then once they lose and you'll be going to the NBA Finals and I honestly didn't see like I honestly thought the Celtics would have more fight. I, I said yeah, I yeah. thought it would go. You know, I would thought it would go back and forth. Like each team would win a game, and then the the Heat would just grind out the last two. Like it would it would be tied two two, and then the Heat would just win the last two, like game and game game five and game six. But seeing this now with the Celtics, they're struggling. Like they've now blown like as well two point like two big leads, which is think is a big problem as well. You got to look at it as well as like maintaining a lead. So if they have a lead in game three, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat come back. It's gonna be interesting oh, yeah. to see what happens. Oh, yeah. Alrighty, that wraps up this uh, segment of hot out of the oven regarding the Celtics uh, having a verbal a verbal fight in the locker room, and can they use it to turn around turn to turn around the series?
Moving on over into the next segment, uh, Divine Debates. Now, obviously, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was handed out the MVP his second year in a row, and there's been a lot of debate going on around the world of basketball. Was LeBron robbed of an MVP award? Now, we feel like pretty much on the same page about this, but we just thought it was a good discussion to have. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, Giannis getting a second MVP uh, back-to-back, becoming the third player with LeBron and Hakeem Olajuwon, I believe, to win both a a Defensive Player of the Year and the MVP in the same year. Uh, Honestly, I don't really... I I mean, I understand the criticisms uh, uh, as to why LeBron could have been thought of as an MVP, but in my mind... MVP, in essence, is the most valuable player to their team at the time. And I saw I saw one tweet. I can't remember for the life of me who it was from, but I saw this one tweet that was saying that without Giannis, the yeah, Bucks... I, yeah, I think, I think I saw the same tweet yeah, as you. Without, yeah. without Giannis, the Bucks would be a playoff team, like a solid playoff team still. And th- without LeBron, the Lakers would be like a, minim- like a maximum eight, eight seed. seed. They said eight seed. Which, in my opinion... It's actually the other way around. I don't see the Bucks competing as well as they do without Giannis this season. I don't have. I don't see them having a sixty-win season uh, like they would have in a full like a full mm-hmm. year. I don't see that happening without Giannis. I don't see them being a solid playoff team. I would see them more as an eight seed. And I think that's what they were like when the Bucks only had like when they only had like pretty good Chris like decent Chris Middleton, decent solid team. Giannis was back in his days when he was really skinny and re- coming in as a rookie like the bucks were a basically an eighth seed team they yeah. weren't like bottom of the league they weren't top of the league they the were, raptors were beating them every game <laughs> exactly exactly that's what it was and um that team honestly hasn't changed much since then like maybe they'd be a seventh seed at best and then you look at the lakers people are really underestimating the power of anthony davis right now he led the pelicans for so many years and now he is on a team that in my opinion minus LeBron James, is still better than the New Orleans Pelicans were around him. I mm-hmm. think the the Lakers are a better-suited team, and they wouldn't be an eighth seed, in my opinion. I think we even saw Anthony Davis. I think they got as high as the fifth seed one year or something like that. Like, when Anthony Davis is at his best, he is a like he is a top-five player in the league, in my opinion. I mean, he's easily the best center in the league, arguably up there with Nikola Jokic right now because of how well he's playing. Yeah. Um, but like that Anthony Davis is really underrated in that sense because he is playing with LeBron now and i think you, the fact that you could consider that you could consider Anthony Davis and the Lakers without LeBron to be an 8th seed in my mind is incorrect like it has to be incorrect and the fact that you think that someone could think the Bucks without Giannis would like be still a very and go good out in the second round. They said it was go out yeah, in the second round. They're not making past the first round without Giannis. No, no, they aren't in my opinion. And Chris Middleton can't win you a series. No. And like to he's, me, he's that not makes that no he's not that player because Chris Middleton compared to Anthony Davis is not the same player. And as well, yeah. with the whole point is like LeBron being robbed. Okay, first of all, the MVP is a regular season award. You look at the numbers. Like I'm gonna like I'll like go through the numbers here. You can see so Giannis averaged twenty nine and a half points per game in. Um, what was he paid? Yeah, he paid thirty. He paid basically. He was like thirty and thirty. That's like yeah. the whole thing. He averaged thirty and thirty. He averaged about maybe about seven more rebounds. It was like six more rebounds than him in total rebounds. His assist numbers weren't as high as LeBron. Obviously, LeBron did play a little bit of point guard during the season, so that's why his assist numbers, his field goal percentage was higher. His three, his his three, like his field goal percentage from three was lower. But in regards to his um, 
player efficiency rating was higher as well. It was 31.9 compared to LeBron's, which was 25.5. His win shares were higher. Now, granted as well, Giannis is a one-star compared, like a one-star. He's the one-star on the Bucks compared to with AD and LeBron. But still, if you look at the pure numbers, just the regular season, LeBron is very close, but Giannis still deserves the MVP. And I and I honestly say, because people are like, and I think I was like reading through some of the comments and stuff like that from like today when they posted it. They're like, okay, like what time do the Bucks play? Haha, <laughs> question mark, question mark. It's like, no, it's a regular season award. If now, guys, we'll talk about it as a second question as well. Is if like there should the MVP of voting also include playoff shots? But I think in my head, no. But regarding that, LeBron was not robbed of an MVP award. Giannis no. deserved this award. He he was the best player on the team for the Bucks. If the Bucks are not. If the if the Bucks did not have Giannis, they would not be. They would maybe be like a fifth seed. They would probably go in the first round against probably the Sixers, maybe this like maybe the Heat. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens. But well, I also saw I, um one thing like yes, I agree with your point saying that like uh, Giannis is in my my mind the MVP because he is a one star team that led it that led a team to the top record in the league. LeBron has a second partner. They he had the reason he has all those assists is because they were mostly to Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. He had that he had that ability to have a second star to play off of. But another thing is, well, I saw the comparison of saying like LeBron. Uh, LeBron was robbed of this MVP, and then I saw one that was saying, like, Kobe and Shaq were robbed of some MVPs as well, which, yes, okay, they were. I agree with that. And But those are two different situations because you look at uh, the Kobe Lakers especially. Yes, he did have a decent Pau Gasol, but Pau Gasol wasn't Anthony Davis. Like, it wasn't as important as Anthony Davis was to this Lakers like, team are, back like, were then. They, were they comparing like, that Kobe was robbed compared to LeBron was robbed, or, like, Kobe was robbed because of Steve Nash and stuff? Because there's that debate as well. That's yes, but uh, like, Steve Nash, I think, did deserve a bit. Like, he did deserve a lot of credit. I don't know. I don't really know much to that debate on whether yeah, or not like, Kobe should get that no. uh, MVP. But at the same time, yes, Kobe should have more MVPs than he did because of the numbers that he put up and because that if you look at that Lakers team, it's different between that Kobe Lakers and the LeBron Lakers. Pa- prime Pau Gasol is not the same as prime Anthony Davis. Those are Pau Gasol is, uh, during that time, was like borderline an all-star. Maybe Anthony Davis is a starting all-star. He is yeah. a top player in the league. And Kobe really, like, Kobe was the heart and soul of that team. There was no other star on that team. It was just Kobe. And even the Shaq MVP, um, the Shaq MVPs that he missed out on with the Lakers, he was really the dominant force there. He didn't really have, like, I mean, yes, the one year he played with Kobe, that was that was different. Mm-hmm. But when Shaq played with the Lakers, it was a different story as well. And, like, LeBron had AD. That's, that's all it boils down to is the fact that he had an extra, he wasn't the most valuable player to his team because there was two most valuable players. Yeah, to there, was, there was, the, and, and, and as well, earlier in the season as well, there was debate of possibly Anthony Davis be giving the MVP award because he had some pretty, yeah. like, he was averaging 28 yeah. points per game. I think he was at one point, he was averaging, he was averaging more points per game than LeBron actually. Yeah. I think he was averaging yeah. like 28 to LeBron's 25 and obviously it's not all points per game, but if you look at this, like MVP is all about stats and like obviously who's the most valuable player on the team. Either one of those stars, if you take one of those off the team's not the same obviously it's, it would still really benefit it but I think even if with Anthony Davis still on the team the Lakers are still a really good basketball club yeah. Anthony Davis yes didn't really like he did he didn't really lead the lake like the Pel- when he was on the Pelicans to a, like a deep playoff run like LeBron did but then again you're not dealing with the same players you know yeah. there's different players like one player can't lead at all and that's why maybe Giannis is struggling or yeah why Giannis struggled in the playoffs so much because one player like no matter how great he is cannot lead a team well actually Regular- maybe, other than Kawhi Leonard but that's yeah like, well <laughs> But even still, Kawhi had potential all-star. Like Kyle, yeah. he had potential all-stars around him. Uh, 
with Pascal yeah. Siakam, Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Fred I was going to say, Chris like, Middleton is Marcus borderline and like, all-star for the Bucks. Like, mm-hmm. Giannis didn't have the supporting cast that these mm-hmm. guys did. And in my mind, MVP, regular season award, they put up the best regular season record on a team where he was the only player to that team, really, in my mind, that contributed the most, he has to get most valuable player. He Mm -hmm. is the most valuable player to the team's success because they had a bunch of success. He was their only star. The Lakers, yes, did have a bunch of success, but they had two reasons, and the MVP is a singular award for their team. In my mind, that's why it is a regular season award that should stick to just being the most valuable player to their team rather than the best player in the league. So that actually kind of leads into the next question is, should the MVP voting also include playoff stats and also playoff success in regards to, because they're like, that's why I think a lot of people are saying, like you're saying, you're saying no. Like, yeah, no, why, keep, why? keep keep those separate. It doesn't make sense to have MVP voting. Yes, it is most valuable player to their team. And yes, it is like how far the team gets in the playoff value success and all that. But in my mind, it should just stay a regular season award. It is how many wins you can put up and that determines your success. No matter. Yes, playoffs matter as well. But uh, MVP has always been regular season. How important it is to your team's success throughout the season, not in the playoffs, because then champion that's why they have finals mvps because yeah. the team with the most success has a most valuable player but with the most regular season success there usually is a player that mattered the most to their team in regards to status in the regular season and that's why you got to keep them separate you have two separate awards that matter for two different reasons in my opinion oh 100% agree there's a reason like like you hit the nail right on like or I'm just trying to you you hit the hit, nail right on yeah, that yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying that's what I was trying to say but yeah you you got the point exactly right is that the MVP award is for the regular season award and that's that's why that's why you have the finals MVP and if LeBron James goes to the finals and he wins or not or whatever happens and he gets the finals MVP and he gets his fourth ring I don't think he's going to be crying about an MVP award because he won the finals MVP and he won a ring that being said as well, and I and I think people are like who are commenting stuff that like, oh, you know, like that's why the MVP voting should include playoff stats and stuff like this. Like, no, that doesn't make sense because what if let, like let's say LeBron gets eliminated by the uh, by the Nuggets in seven games or whatever it was. <laughs> that would actually be funny, but if it does happen, it's like and then it's like, okay, well, either way, either the two top MVP voters still didn't make it to the NBA finals, so what do you want to do now? Is now Jimmy Butler or Nikola Jokic make uh, Yeah, like MVP? that's what I mean. Like, that, like that's what you're gonna just say. Like or that's Jamal like, Murray, like yeah, it could I mean, be I'd love anybody. To see that. Really? Yeah. So like that's why you can't have it because it's like that's why there's the finals MVP yeah, because it's, it's the team it's the team that gets to the finals and wins then that player is awarded because okay you had the most success in the playoffs which is really what matters. So I don't think LeBron James shouldn't be crying over not getting an MVP award if he has a chance to go no. get an NBA and ring think, and NBA finals. I don't think LeBron like is finals about MVP. It, to be no, completely honest I don't think he's worried. I think it's just the feet that's the, it's the fans. No, it's the it's the Bron fans that yeah. are really overhyping the fact that okay we love LeBron. Now he has to win everything because that's what we do as LeBron fans. So he mm-hmm. deserves this MVP because he is the greatest player of all time. Uh, because that's what I think as a LeBron fan. Yeah. And if I was a LeBron fan, yeah. but I am not. So I like realistically looking at it, he shouldn't be like, he wasn't rubbed and it's as plain as that. And just, yes, he could be considered the best player in the league right now, but that is not how MVP works. Yeah. Because then it would just be Connor McDavid wins every year in hockey or 
LeBron Retro James, wins yeah, it LeBron every year in, in the MLB. Yeah, and, then, like, and LeBron James wins it. And if you look at the list, honestly, in my mind, LeBron James is the best player in the in the league right now. Like he's yes, he's, he is the best player in the league right now, but he is also not the most valuable player to the team, which is what the award is. Yeah, that's exactly. There's there's two different awards. If there was if there's an award for greatest single player of the year, like not just most valuable, but just like if you look at the raw talent, LeBron James is up there. But in regards to the value to this team that he adds, that's the difference. Alrighty, that wraps up this week's Divine Debate on was LeBron robbed of the MVP award and should MVP voting also include playoff stats? Moving on over into some playoff predictions, the Tampa Bay Lightning have advanced to the Stanley Cup final after their Game 6 win over the Islanders in overtime. Uh, what are what are your predictions for the Stanley Cup final? Who is winning Dallas versus Tampa Bay? I'm going with Tampa Bay. I'm sticking with my guns from uh, before the series. Honestly, the Tampa Bay has gone through three defensive teams already in Columbus, Boston, and the New York Islanders. They're going up and like against a really another tough defensive opponent in the Dallas Stars. I don't see them faltering at this point. They've had so much success against the others. Um, the Islanders did take them to six games. I think they could have had that series in five, to be completely fair. But... I think Tampa really has this series locked up. They're getting potentially a healthy Stamkos back who hasn't been ruled out for the series, which was talked about, uh, I think Friedman uh, reported it today, uh, that he is questionable for game one, could potentially return in this series. They don't know his current status. Actually, no. I think it's he probably won't be in for game one, but he could return later on in the series. And I think that could be, in my opinion, we're going to talk about it as well here in, uh, as X, fact, X factors for the series. I think he's going to be my X factor as well as the play of Andre Vasilevsky. Um, but overall, I think Tampa, as for games, I don't know, because Dallas, Dallas has stolen a couple so far. Uh, in the They stole a couple with uh, Anton Hudobin, their goaltender, who has been outstanding and was outstanding in the they Golden Knights series. They took down Vegas in five, which no one expected. Nobody expected that, and I think they got some really standout performances. I do see them having a few more, but eventually I think their luck is going to run out. I'm going Tampa Bay in six games. All right. I would, I would, yeah, I'm still going to stick with Tampa Bay because I think, like, America, we did this, I think it was the last week where we kind of, like, looked yeah. at when they were, like, regards to, like, Stanley Cup picks, we said, okay, we thought Tampa and Dallas were going to make it, which they ended up doing. And I think I'm going to say Tampa in six, maybe seven, but I think, no, Tampa in six, yeah. Dallas is going to steal two on them. Like, they're going to have some good performances, but Dallas, but Tampa's offense is going to be too overpowering for for Dallas's defense. Like, if, like, they were able to contain Vegas's offense and Vegas' offense just shut down, but Dallas is firing, or no, no Dallas. Tampa's firing on, on, our, on all cylinders right now, and they're really just powering through, and they're able, they're just, they're just going to come through. And I think, yeah, like it's going to be clear why Tampa Bay is going to win in six games because of their offense. Heavy-powered offense under Vasilevsky is going to step up. Steven Stamkos coming back is going to be a possible X-factor as well. I think probably he'd be my X-factor, like, possibly as well. But um, it's just clear that Tampa Bay is going to win this. It's going to be close to see. I want to see if Dallas can, like, win. Like, I want to see. Because if Dallas comes away winning this somehow, like, some magical way that they just, like, shock the world, which would be very surprising. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be interesting to see for a minute. It, w- it would be, and the only way Dallas wins is they get a wake-up performance from Sagan and Jamie Benn, who have been quiet all series. They've been yep. saved by the incredible play- play. All, all playoffs long, really. Yeah, they've been quiet all playoffs long. They've been saved by the incredible offensive abilities of, like, three three standout performer, uh, Kiviranta, 
uh, Grianov and somebody else on defense. I'm trying to think. I can't think of his name right now. But they've Plus, had Andrew Dubin is Hudobin uh, as well. Hudobin has been playing incredibly for uh, them in net. Like the only way Dallas wins this is if Sagan and Ben wake up, which Stanley Cup final. Hopefully they wake up. But in my mind, Tampa Bay in six. Dallas is going to have to wake up their forwards if they want to have a chance to win. And, I mean, if they could pull it off, there's going to be some serious questions thrown out there because, I mean, Dallas is happy that they got... Tampa is looking for the championship yeah. right now. And there was... Um, it's actually funny because uh, there was a bunch of... I'm, I'm a very superstitious athlete. I do a lot of, like, routine-based stuff. And I've, like, obviously every athlete has their own superstitions, whether they believe in them or not. Um, but... So Dallas, the, oh, yeah, no, the, ta- just, yeah, the taboo is that you never touch the conference uh, the, like trophy the, championship, yeah. whether that's for Western or Eastern, because obviously you you want to touch the final trophy. It's not like you're not settling. You don't. Yeah. You usually don't touch the trophy because you're not settling for that trophy. Yeah, you you're, want se- more. you're settling for the Stanley like, to, to hold the Stanley. Uh, exactly to, to hold yeah. the Stanley Cup. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is Dallas goes. They obviously do the superstition. They don't touch it. But uh, the storyline with Tampa is in 2015, last time they made the finals. They didn't touch it. They followed every single stupid su- yeah. superstition, and then they ended up losing in the finals. So this the year, Chicago Blackhawks. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, oh no, I forgot about that. Anyways, anyways, um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not relevant right now. But no, I just thought I'd throw that in anymore. there because they did beat the Chicago. They they uh, Chicago beat them anyways. Anyways, um, but this year, so they looked at it and they said, look, superstitions wise, didn't work for us that time. You know what? Who cares? We're going to touch it this time. Superstition, see if it works in their favor, which honestly it could, and it looks likely that it will. But honestly, who knows? Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting, the fact that mm-hmm. they went against the whole like almost tradition, in a sense, yeah. of the superstition. Um, but, I mean, hey, if Dallas can somehow pull it off, A, that means every superstition you've ever heard of is true because now Tampa just broke the one superstition that you're not supposed to do. And in, in my mind, like that's very taboo among hockey play, like among, mm-hmm, yeah. among good hockey teams. It's like, don't touch the trophy. You can't touch the trophy. And now if they break that, uh, that almost is like a counter. And then I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but if Dallas could somehow per, uh, pull this off, it would have to be some sort of miraculous result. Um, but if they do, honestly, it's going to be very interesting to see as well um, all the articles that are talked about because going into the bubble before pre-pandemic, pre-everything, Dallas was looked at to be barely a team making the playoffs, let alone making some noise in the playoffs. When when they were going into A, the season, but also B, further down the stretch, they were seen as borderline. Maybe they can make the wild card. Maybe they can... Yeah, what, did we, what, were, what seed are they? Like, what seed are they? Are they I, like can't, I d- can't remember. I think they're I think they're just, like, second wild card team or something like that, or what would have been the second, yeah, so wild, so second they, wild card. Yeah, so they still, like, they're not, like, like they're not, like, a, like a team that would make the playoffs in a regular season. They still make they the playoffs. Yeah. They would... Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case or not, but they weren't... A, they were a borderline team that was, uh, mm-hmm. that was up in the air, and it'd be interesting to see the fact that if they could win win everything because Dallas Stars fans are looking at this like no matter what Dallas is happy because they're looking at it saying hey we weren't even supposed to be anywhere near here and then all of a sudden pandemic happens bubble eventually after not playing hockey for five months and then luck has just been on their side ever since so maybe if Dallas could pull it off they'd be thanking their lucky stars and it'll be really interesting to see but honestly I think they'd be fine if they like I mean 
obviously they're going to be upset if they lose to Tampa, which I think is likely. But at the same time, I think they'll be happy with the results because they were not supposed to be anywhere close to this point when anybody was talking about it prior to the, prior to the pandemic. Hundred percent agree. Who are your X factors in the series? I know we, we lightly touched, but I want to get exact. Who who do you think will be the benefit of X factors for each team? For Dallas, they'll make a difference. Has to be Sagan and or uh, Jamie Ben just because yep. they have to perform. Uh, in my mind, for Tampa, I mean, Hedman is going to be important. He pl- has played extremely well. As long as he keeps that up, I don't have to worry about him. If Stamkos is back, he's going to be a very important X factor, I think. If he can perform like he usually does in the playoffs and not get injured again, I think. <laughs> like he always does. but Like he always does. I think that would be key. And then it has to be Vasilevsky in my mind. As long as he can stay solid, uh, stay solid in the net for Tampa Bay, I think they have a really good chance of winning this. Yeah, I would agree. I think for Tampa side, I think uh, I think Braden Point as well is gonna be a big big X factor. Well, he's, I think I think he's just gonna be good all. Yeah, around. yeah, he's he's gonna be good. Gonna I don't know if X factor, but I think yeah, he's gonna be good. But yeah, Victor Hedman's gonna be an X factor. Steven Stamkos if he comes back. Vasilevsky's gonna be big in gold. Like he's gonna need gold team for the Dallas Stars. I know who Tobin's gonna be good because he's been good all the time. But I honestly think that. Not like I, I, I don't want to say they're X factors because I just I expect them to be good considering their first and like their first liners like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan like their first and second liners they should be good you would like an X factor for me would be like a third line guy but honestly they need to be the X factors because they haven't shown up all playoffs and if they just show up miraculously now they're going to be considered an X factor and I would definitely agree with you they're the X factors that need to step up if Dallas is going to have any chance at winning the series because I highly doubt that if they don't step up they're not going to be able to rely on Anti Hudobin and other stars or supporting cast to just kind of lift them to the championship because they're like they're they're the guys that are getting paid probably the most on team or the highest paid yeah, and sure. they are doing jack right now so right now if you're the Dallas Stars organization and if you don't win or if you win I think regardless, if they don't win, then maybe Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, there could be some potential off-season moves, per se. I'm just going to potentially. I don't know. Could be. Could, could be. be. Alrighty, that wraps up this segment of playoff predictions regarding the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the, uh, versus the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Final. Moving on over into our last segment of the day. It's kind of weird and wacky slash on this day, but uh, Rick DiPietro turns 39 as of this episode's release, and his story is one that is very strange. I will let Evan Brown take this one to explain. Yeah, so basically Rick DiPietro was a first overall selection by the New York Islanders, I believe, uh, back all the way back in 2000. Uh, was a big goaltender for them. Uh, played for 10 years or so, uh, and I think around 28, it was coming to contract time. He had a bit of an injury-prone career, throughout his entire career uh but he was a solid guy in net for them uh pushed them pushed them far pushed them to a lot of wins in his career and he was a really good goaltender and then in 2006 it came contract time and uh they the islanders decided to do something that was really weird and they went out and they signed him to a 15 year 67 and a half million dollar contract that would bring him all uh, that would take his contract and sign him through all the way through 2029 which would be absolutely ridiculous this was unheard of at the time and and the fact that like somebody or sorry it would bring him to 2021 yeah 2021 yeah 20 but like 2029 is like hold up so the 29 20 and 29 i'll get into in a second but yeah so it would be yeah, he signed it in 2006, 15 years, which was unprecedented at that time. It was a record, record-breaking record deal all around. The fact that, I mean, he was getting paid $67.5 million total, but that was spread out for goaltenders. That was unheard of at the time. 15 years, that is a lot of faith you have to have in a guy, right? Like, 
who's uh, 28 at the time as well. Who's 28? It was something like that. It was so he was drafted in 2000, so maybe 26 or something like that. It is a, that is a very high bet on a guy that you're expecting him to go out and play until he's roughly 40 ish and be really yeah, it solid. Would be, it, would be 40, for, it would be 41 by the end of his contract. Yeah, if he signed it at 26, yeah. I don't know how mm-hmm. old he was, but say he is around 40 when that contract is up, which would mean he'd still be playing this year if the, if he did play for the full contract. But because he had such an injury-prone career, he eventually had to retire way early. I think he retired in 2011, I want to say. So it was five years into the 10... Into, into the, he was one-third into the year, one-third into the deal. Into the deal. Yeah. And the Islanders were like, well if you're just going to retire because of injuries, because he physically couldn't handle playing mm-hmm. anymore, he had so many concussion problems, so many different injuries throughout his career that he couldn't handle playing for uh, anymore. So they went out and they uh, they just pushed him on to long-term injury reserve. And the NHL eventually changed this rule because you can only have, I think, max of eight-year contracts now if you're re-signing with the same team because this 15-year deal broke the whole salary cap and the salary cap is still messed up because of this. Um, thankfully, it won't happen too ridiculously like this anymore. But basically, they bought, they ended up buying him out in 2012 or something like that, which mean, which meant they had to pay him through 2029. But they then spread out the rest of his contract that he never got paid for because he retired. And they spread it out over that time period until he, they eventually ran out of money to give him. They extended it a few years because that's what they had to do mm-hmm. uh, under the max. It's a very confusing deal, but incidentally, they have to now pay, they still are paying him $1.5 million annually that's taken off the cap through 2029 because just because because of so that's through 2029 so is that is that 29 like how many years past 20 is that the last year that they pay him 2029 yeah, 2029 okay. is the last year they pay him uh and hmm. so he's con- his contract is always going to be on the books for them he will be long past retired and he is still going to be getting paid by them because of the how the settlement works and how the buyout works in the NHL. They set it over a number of years, so you get. So he's going to be he's going to be f- he's going to be forty eight when he gets his last he get, like, roughly yes yeah, 40, roughly he's yes. going to be almost fifty and he's going to be still be still yeah. getting paid. And he's I mean he's uh, post his career he's done a he's tried to dip his hand into a bun- uh, or dip his toes rather into a bunch of different fields. He's been trying to be an analyst a little bit here and there, which hasn't really worked out. But so yeah, because of how the settlement works, they they have to pay him until he can like because he wouldn't have another well i mean he could have another job but we don't know because of how it works usually they pay you through the rest of your contract plus some so you get money annually so you can still keep up living and stuff like that um affording expensive house expensive car yada 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 whatever whatever he's living in stuff like that uh, very because of playing in the nhl Mm -hmm. so yeah so they basically took his contract and now he's receiving uh, million, ha- million and a half dollars every single year now, just because, just because that. So he's just sitting around. So that's one of my favorite hockey stories, just because it is so crazy the fact that a guy could be ten years retired or how many ever years retired when he is in twenty twenty nine, and he still has to get paid, and it still counts against the cap for the Islanders. They still have to reserve that money every single year to be able to pay his contract because he had so many injuries and they decided to sign this stupid deal. And that's why the NHL has a limit now. I because bet you that GM was probably fired. <laughs> uh, yes, probably. And <laughs> or whoever, whoever was like, like it's man. definitely wasn't Lou Lamorello with them now. <laughs> and I can tell you that. And yeah. like um, the other deals that are similar to this, I think 
The Minnesota Wild, I think they signed Miko Koivu, who actually recently is in the news because they just announced that they won't be bringing him back to the Wild next season. Yeah, no, I, which I, I think I, I did that see. I think I did see that the other day. Yeah. And then I think oh, I can't remember who other who else it was, but they signed dual thirteen-year contracts to two players at the time, and were worth same ridiculous amount of money at the time. Was and it the Stahl twins? Uh, maybe it was Eric Stahl. No, it wasn't Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl. It was one of the. St- I think it was one of the stalls, and it was one of the Cor- Koivus. Oh, okay, see. There's there's also way more than uh, twins of the well, stall yeah, brothers. Yeah, twi- there's the like there's, there's like four of them. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, yes, four in the NHL, but in total, actually, I think there's like eighteen different stall brothers <laughs> in, in in that family or something like that. It's crazy. That's another crazy story for another day, <laughs> but um. This is honestly um, this story I just love because it's one of those ridiculous contract settlement things, yeah. and um, it's similar to one in baseball, which uh, July first is when uh, a lot of uh, leagues will do their like payday for a sense of like where you get your signing bonus or yeah. when you get paid. Uh, like for these guys, they would get he gets every July first he would get his million and a half dollars. They send it to him, and he'd get it on that day. Does he just get in one installment, like one big sum yeah, of money? Because he's not paid per game anymore. Because uh, it's just they send it to him every year on July first. Because that's what I was thinking. Is like I guess that kind of like sucks for like him. I guess because it would be better almost to get like paid like every two weeks like as a like yeah. as a minor yeah. thing. Because then you can because if you just got like, like okay July first is when I get all my money and then I can start like paying all my because like obviously he has money before like it's not like he just doesn't have any money. But I think for the one point as well it kind of sucked. We like you just gotta wait for that day to get all your money for that year. Like he obviously he makes other money, but I think it's a, that million and a half is kind of his big bonus. Like it's like winning the lottery. Every year basically that's pretty much it's pretty, pretty much, much him it's like july 1st is like the happiest day in the life for him because he gets free 100 like million and a half dollars for not doing anything yeah and then um my other favorite one that is uh, that is very similar is um uh in the baseball world july 1st is always re- uh, like obviously it's canada day but in the baseball world it's referred to as bobby bonilla day because bobby, Bo- bobby bonilla Bo- bobby bonilla was a mets player and he was offered at a very young age, a lucrative 25-year deal that because they were just so high on him, he was going to be the next big thing. How and young was he? I can't. I don't remember how exactly young he was, but it was this basically big, long contract. Uh, and then in 2001, because of a bunch of injuries and stuff, um, and he didn't, like, sorry, he stopped playing for the Mets in 1999, and then he retired from baseball in 2001, but he still had so much money on his deal that they had to pay him for bio fees and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and so... Did, did they ended up buying him out and then they... Yeah, they, so they, they ended they up buying... Out, yeah. They bought out the rest of his contract because he never really paid for him. He was one of the highest paid position players of all time, and the Mets just bought him out. And so they set up a plan for the 25 years, plus some because of buyouts or whatever, uh, or because of how the settlement worked. So now every July 1st, he receives a cool $1.1 million. <laughs> and he's going to, and he's 57 now, but he's going to still get that through 2035. Yeah. <laughs> 2035. Because of how the settlement works, they split it up over a certain amount of years. So, so it, was 20, it was 2010. It was 20, it was 2010. I think it, I think it was 2010. It was something like that when they announced the settlement, uh, but uh, when it was supposed to end, but because of the settlement, it got pushed over a certain amount of years. And so now until 2035, he's set for life every single July 1st. He gets his um, basically a bit more than a million dollars every single July 1st sent to him. And that's all he does is he just collects that check 
once a year. And see, see, if I was a player in that standing, all I would do is I would take about like maybe a quarter of that, like two hundred fifty thousand, put an investment account every year and just like I'm, watch and it I be, grow. I, be, I bet you that's watch what he does. Grow. That's what I probably that's every player does. That, that's probably what Rick DiPietro does as well. Because yep. they, like this, it's free money, so just you know spend some of what you what you yep. need to use, and then the rest just put into investment account or let it sit somewhere and just let it grow because you're gonna get that over the next twenty five years from up until twenty thirty five. So the yeah. next. 15 years so for him. Set. He is set. He has been set for life for a while now. He's been he's been getting money like this since 2001. He has had such a long like it has been this way for so long and that's why it's been coined as Bobby Bonilla Day in in the MLB because every single July 1st he gets his 1.1 million dollars. <laughs> it's just sent to him and now and it's still counting towards the Mets cap and it will continue to count towards the Mets cap. And it's just a reminder of how crazy sports are and how crazy the Mets are for signing a ridiculous 25 year deal to a guy that was barely in the league and barely playing and was supposed to be the next big thing. And then because of injuries turned out to be a big bust and then, Oh, well like now we have to pay him a ton of money. Well, that's unfortunate for the Mets then. Alrighty. That wraps up this segment of weird and wacky slash on this day. We're covering Rick as Rick DiPietro turns 39 as one of the, uh, as this episode's released, talking about a very strange story about Rick DiPietro. That wraps up this episode of Season 2 of the On The Rise Podcast. You should follow Instagram at Rise Podcast. Listen in on midtownradio.ca and visit our website, ontherisepodcast.ca. We will see you on Wednesday.